continue our series on living on mission. Uh, and this is the third of actually four weeks on the subject. Uh, we're going to do uh, half of uh, John 4 this week, and then we'll do the other half next week. Uh, we'll begin in verse 3. So let's give our attention uh, to God's perfect word. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 3. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, or ask for a drink from me? a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where where will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from him, drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story, this historical account that happened in the Middle East some 2,000 years ago. Lord, please use this as you intend in my life and in their lives. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I wanted to start this sermon with a story about someone that was really oblivious in the situation they were in, but I couldn't think of anything. And so I asked my kids, and uh, they said, oh, dad, you, you would be a great one uh, when you met mom. So here we go. Here's a story when I met my wife. By request of my kids. So when um, there was a couple that knew both my wife and I, and uh, they were discipling my wife, and, and so they saw, they knew both of us, and said these would be a perfect match for each other. They told Lori this, but didn't tell me. And so they're conniving, the three of them, Lori and this couple, uh, to, to set up things for the sole purpose of us being in the same place at the same time. Well, so I come to these things, but no one told me why I was supposed to be there. And so I just go about my merry way and talk to everybody and go on, and it doesn't really work. And so for some six months, I'm completely oblivious to the woman that's right under my nose. I think many of us are that way um, because I was on no mission. I was not trying to find a girl. I was just going about my way. And so we live our lives that way. That we're on no mission from God. We're just going to work and coming home and just making, getting things done. And so I think that same way, well, this is different, say, than Jesus in the story. He was not oblivious to what was going on around him. 
We're going to look at that more in a moment. I want to just review the series we're in. I was very thankful. Thank you for the vacation. It was great. And thankful for Brandon and Todd, uh, who did very good jobs preaching while I was gone. Todd, you remember, started our series. And he talked about what is it that we're living on mission. He looked at the Great Commission. You remember that? The Great Commission. And in it, Jesus, who had made disciples, passed the baton, the baton to them and said, look, you go make disciples. Oh, okay. And then that's what they did. And so we have all been commissioned. Right? We're to be living on mission because of the Great Commission. So then the next week, Brandon preached about the why. So Todd did the what, then the why. Why are we to do this? You might remember they said, we were made for this. He said, look in the mirror. That mouth you have, what's it for? It's actually to declare the excellencies of God. And so we talk more about the why. And then this week and next week are, Lord willing, going to be very practical. What does it actually look like, day-to-day life, to be on mission, to live on mission? And we'll be looking at this story of Jesus. We want to learn from the best, right? So who better to learn from than Jesus and how Jesus was living on mission with this woman? I mean, if you look at page seven, you'll see how we'll break up our time. We're answering the question again, how do we live on mission? Three answers to that you see there. Be spiritually attentive in everyday circumstances. Be spiritually attentive in everyday circumstances. Secondly, take conversations from the present to the eternal. And then third, talk about sin. All right, the first one, how we live on mission, be spiritually attentive. So look again at verse three and four. Let's just get, get this situation. It says, he being Jesus left Judea, departed for Galilee. So he's coming, he had to pass through Samaria. Okay, so um, he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar near the field and there's this well here. When is it? It's the, the sixth hour we see there in verse six. Right, so that's noon. So it's the middle of a hot day in the Middle East. You know South Carolina heat. Just multiply that and you get Middle Eastern heat. So he's, he's sitting there and he's exhausted. We see the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was a real guy that got really tired. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have Uber to get him from, where, from Galilee or from um, Judea. He, they walked, right? So he's walking in the hot sun. He's worn out. Look at verse 7 and 8. He's, he's leaning against the well here. A woman walks up from Samaria to draw water, and he says to her, give me a drink. But note, note verse 8. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Okay, so they get to this well. Jesus is like, you guys, you guys go on. You get lunch. I'm just going to hang out here and rest. Okay? So he's waiting for his lunch. Now, I just came back from vacation. Many of you will go on vacation. So you know how it goes. You're traveling with your family. You're going along, you stop for a potty break and to grab some food. Dad, what's your mindset? All right, kids, you go to the bathroom. I'm going to grab the cheeseburgers. We'll be back in the car in five minutes. Right? You're, it, it's a very task-oriented stop. Am I wrong? Right? What kind of mindset did Jesus have this day? You see, this was just a really ordinary situation. This was not a missions trip. This is just a trip. They're trying to get from point A to point B. Right, they're traveling. The disciples just going to get some food, but Jesus, he knew that he had there was purpose for it. This was not just a bathroom break for him, or a a a lunch break for him. So as this woman comes out, something happens. But before we get there, you need some cultural background. She's a Samaritan. What what difference does that make? Well, a lot. They hate each other. The Samaritans and the Jews not friends, okay? There's this hatred because the Samaritans had intermarried with other peoples and then they'd kind of mix the worship of God with this paganism. 
Okay, so they've kind of polluted the worship of God. The Jews are like, you know, you guys are awful. You never should have done that. You're not part of us. Okay, and so they even sometimes, when they would travel, instead of going through Samaria, they'd go all the way around. They crossed the Jordan River twice just to avoid going through Samaria. Well, not Jesus. Jesus' straightest point is straight through. And also because he has purpose. He has a, an appointment to keep here at this well. But it gives you some context. Additionally, she's a woman in the first century. You don't just go up and talk to any woman in public. That's not your wife. Okay, this is a big cultural no-no. So two things you need to understand. So look at verse 9. So he asked her for a drink. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? A woman of Samaria. For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Well, it can't mean just no dealings because obviously they'll sell food to him, right? The disciples went into a city and Samaria, they're getting food from the Samaritans. You could easily translate this talking about the actual vessel. Like they don't share dishes. It was actually unclean. Like you don't, you, you know, kosher, you know, on labels, right? It says this is kosher. The Jews are real careful about what they touched, right? You don't want to be unclean. And so she's like, you're going to like drink out of my, out of my jug? Like Jews don't do this. Does that make sense? And she's, she's, and in addition that she's a woman. So she's like, what's going on? Look at verse 10. How's Jesus? So Jesus answered her. He said, if you, knew who the, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let me pause here. The reason we're going to go through this, we're going to kind of go play by play because this is a great model for you. Okay, so we have to kind of get into the text. So just bear with me as we kind of get into it, and then it's going to make sense how it applies to you. All right, so he says to her, if you knew, I will, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who's saying this, you would have asked me for living water. What's living water? Well, so in this time, sometimes they would say living water to mean spring water, right? So you have water that's sitting, and spring water's moving. It's kind of like living, okay? That's what she thinks he's talking about. And this well, in a well, you'd have the water on the top, the rainwaters come in, water's, it's a little more stagnant. Down at the bottom, this is a, a spring-fed well, down at the bottom is the freshest water, okay? This is, you see this because of how she responds to him. Look how she responds. She says, let me find it. The well is deep, right? This is like a 100-foot well well, you don't have a, you need a hundred foot rope to get all the way to the bottom to get this spring water, right? She's not following. But pause here for a moment. Remember what, how ordinary this is. This is really, really ordinary. This is, there's nothing like supernatural about this. It's a guy hanging out by a well and a woman trying to get her water. But Jesus knew that God had put him at that moment for, for something. God was going to do something. He was very attentive to divine appointment. Have you heard that term, divine appointment? Kids, if you've never heard it, it's divine means of God, and it's an appointment. Do you have appointments to your haircut? Go to the dentist, go to the doctor, right? And so when you, take, you go to your appointment, that person's expecting you to show up there. So God makes appointments, but adults, sorry, it's not going to show up on your Google calendar. We don't know what it is, but he has things that he intends for you to be. So when you in middle school are walking down the hall, he knows what hall you're going to be on, what class you're going to sit in, who you're going to be beside. And sometimes he has appointments for you to talk to certain people. Okay, make sense? Jesus knew this. And he had this appointment. 
So we just went on vacation. We went to Surfside Beach. You know, it's right by Myrtle Beach. And so it reminded me two years ago, we were there as well. There was a hurricane, and that's a whole other story. But we're in this condo. This is two years ago. And I want to tell you a story about a divine appointment. I'm pretty sure it's a divine appointment, and you'll understand in a second. So we're there, and uh, there's another nice family in the condo beside us. They have a pool there. And so I'm in the pool with my kids. He's there with his kids. And we're just getting to know each other. We're just, I get talking to him. And uh, finally, he's a believer. Well, that's great. And so we keep talking. This is two years ago, right? This, we hadn't started the church. And he, and he asked me, well, what do you do? And we get talking. And I tell him about this church that we're going to start. He's like, wow, I'm really interested. We kept talking. <clears throat> now, granted, that do you, do you always talk to everyone on vacation? Like you're never going to see them again, right? Well, so... I didn't know what God had planned, so I just keep talking to this guy. Well, we get to know each other, so much so that after we go back from this, we set up a phone call, and I give him a presentation about this whole church plant, and he decides to support this. So part of the money that paid for you to be in this room this very moment is paid for by a guy that I met at Surfside Beach two years ago who cares so much about you that he's investing money into it. Isn't that crazy? That's a divine appointment. I didn't, I mean, it's, I didn't do anything special. I just, I was there just talking. There are things like this all the time. God knows exactly where you're going to be. This was a, this is a one-time conversation, right? He doesn't live in Samaria. He's not coming back to Samaria. But God intended something that day. He intends things for all of us. And by the way, if you ever watch this video, hey, thanks for supporting us and making this possible. All right. Um, let me skip all the way down. You see this print in your bulletin to verse 31. This is a, from next week's section, but I want to steal a little bit for this week. Look at 31 to 34. Now that they've come back, he's got his lunch, the woman is left. Look, look at this interchange conversation with the disciples. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Come on, you are hungry. We got your lunch. Would you eat, please? But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples, being so genius, said to one another, has someone else brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, listen to this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, I imagine before the day was out, he probably ate the food, but he, he, he was making a point, wasn't he? He said, I live for doing my father's will. He'll say this other, other places in other ways. He said, I don't do my, what, what I want. I do what I see the Father doing. He walked through his life. He's the son of God, for crying out loud. And he still walked through his life saying, God has appointed things for me to do. Are you any different? Has God stopped? Has he stopped making appointments? No. I'll prove it to you. Ephesians 2.10, you know what it says? It says, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Four good works, listen to this, which he has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Tell me that does not sound like a divine appointment. There's good works prepared for you to do that you should walk in them. He's done this for all of us. As I often tell kids, so kids, I'll tell you. So kids, listen up. The, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the more you listen to it, the louder it gets. And the same is true with your conscience. If you ignore your conscience, it's going to get quieter. You'll be able to sin. It won't even feel bad anymore. But the more you listen, the easier it gets to hear that the Lord's leading you. You've probably seen the secret service, right? They have those little earpieces in, right? Why do they have those in? So they can hear what's going on. So be told, you need to go here. You need to do this. 
The Holy Spirit's like that. He wants to communicate to you often just through a little sense. You're like, I think I should probably talk to that person. I don't want to talk to that person. I should probably talk to that person. Right? You argue within your head, right? The Holy Spirit wants to lead us. But if you, the more you ignore him, the, you'll finally not be able to hear him at all. You'll just go about your way. So if you aren't having that sense that the Holy Spirit's ever saying anything to you, that might be why. Kids, you've been watching TV. Your parents come in and they talk to you. Do you hear them all the time? No, sometimes, like, right, they're right there beside you. They're like, are you listening? What? I'm sorry, Dad, what'd you say? I've been talking to you, right? We can be oblivious to things going on right around us. Well, it's true also spiritually. Your grown-ups, your, your parents suffer from that too. We all do. Okay, so let's, let's keep moving. So you have this sense that God wants you to talk to somebody. Where do you go from there? That's going to take us to our second point, where you've started a conversation with somebody. Secondly, take conversations from the present to the eternal. From the present to the eternal. All right, so let's keep looking at our passage. So how does Jesus do this? Look at verse 10 again. All right, let's get back in our story. Um, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who's saying, um, you would have asked him for living water, right? And we talked about that, right? The well water. So she doesn't get it. So look at verse 11. She said, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from himself as his sons and his livestock? Little does she know she's talking to the son of God. Yes, he is greater than Jacob, right? She doesn't get it, but she's intrigued. She's drawn in. Do you know that people love to be drawn in? Like in a conversation. Like you begin to talk to someone and you can draw them. Good questions go a long way. This works with your kids too. One of the important things of parenting is to be able to ask good questions. To be able to help your kids actually think and engage with you and think about what's going on. That's what Jesus did with her. Okay, let's keep going in the passage. So Jesus said to her, look at 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him, so you see he's making a contrast, will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay, so now she obviously knows we're talking about something more than just this well water, right? Jesus has made this jump from the present to the eternal, from the natural to the supernatural, from the fleshly to the spiritual. Have you ever tried to make that jump in a conversation? Like you're talking to someone and you're like, I think we need to talk about spiritual things. How is that? Is that hard to do? I think it is. There was a businessman that, that once wrote, he said, when I try to share my faith, my mind goes blank, my palms get sweaty, and nothing I say seems to make any sense. Can you relate to that? I can relate to that. When I was in college was when I started this journey of just beginning to try to live on mission, to try to talk to people about Christ. And I can remember, like I could talk to anyone about anything except for Jesus in the Bible, right? When I get to spiritual things, it was like the words got stuck in my mouth. And all of a sudden I'm talking and then, and I want to talk about, it's like the word got like stuck. It's like it's clawed in my mouth. And like I'm forcing, that's what I picture, like forcing words out of my mouth that are stuck there. If, you do, if you've done this, you probably know what I'm talking about. After you do it a few times, it gets easier, right? I, I like people to like me. And so it was hard to say something that I said, I don't know they're going to want to talk about this or hear about this. As you do it, it'll get a little bit easier. 
do you know the difference? Let's, let me pause this for a second. The difference between where we use this term living on mission and maybe another term you've heard, evangelism. Do you know the difference between those two? Is there any difference? I think there is. What we mean, so what do you think when you think evangelism? I think we took a survey. Most of you would have written on your piece of paper, sharing the gospel or gospel presentation, right? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be for what you think of for evangelism? And so when we say living on mission, it doesn't exclude that, but it's much, much more than that. Okay? Much, much more than that. Jesus, when he started the conversation, was not giving a gospel presentation. Right? He asked for a drink. Well, that's interesting. Have you ever asked your neighbor for a favor? Hey, do you, do you have an extra egg? I'm, I'm, I'm running out of making this recipe. Hey, do you have like a, a compressor? I'm, I'm doing this project. I need this. Or do you ever see him working in his backyard and go over and offer to help him? It's amazing. You wouldn't think asking for a favor would actually build relational capital. It does. Many people are happy to say, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I've got a compressor. Sure, you can use it. Right? And you're just, you're building relational capital. That's what Jesus does. He didn't start with, hey, you know, do you know, you're, do you know where you're going when you die? Right? He just said, can I have a drink? He starts out, he asks for living water. And so there is something to just being able to build some capital with people. So when we say living on mission, it also includes building authentic, trusting friendships with non-Christians. Do you catch that? Building trusting, authentic friendships with non-Christians. You live around them, you work with them. Do you really know them? Do you have a real friendship? Not just like, a, like we know each other's name and we, we're in the, next to the cubicle or like I see him cutting his grass, we wave at each other. With this woman, didn't Jesus take it beyond just pleasantries? He did. He made the jump from the present to the eternal. This is really important. So look at verse 15. So he says, you know, um, I give you a, um, a living water that well up into you eternal life. What does she say? Verse 15. She says, sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Yay, mission accomplished. And what would you do? Here's a, can I pray with you? Let's pray this. Here's a prayer. Let's pray. You, you, this is great. You want this living water? Let's pray together. Is that not what we do? What does Jesus do? That brings us to our third point. Talk about Sin. That's kind of a yucky word, isn't it? No one likes to talk about sin. But let's look at what Jesus does. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. All right, now, notice all of her answers have been at least a sentence or two long. Have you counted the words? 15, 20, 25 words. So he says, go call your husband. Look at her answer. I have no husband. Okay, now any of you that have any social graces, you know when someone is trying to say, please change the subject. Don't you? Right? They're like, okay, so she's, in this in Greek, it's only three words. She has a three-word answer. I have no husband. Okay, obviously she doesn't want to talk about it, Jesus. Could you please move on? But Jesus says, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one you're now with is not your husband. What you've said is true. <laughs> really, Jesus? You had to go there. Like, this is obviously, she didn't want to talk about this. And he just kind of 
he exposed her whole all what she is most ashamed of. Why? Is he is he being mean? Is he being cruel? Like, ha ha, I know about your story. No, I don't think he is. Here's why. An essential aspect to the gospel is sin. An essential aspect to the gospel is sin. It is critical for a person to understand that they've lived their whole life in rebellion against their maker if they are to become a Christian. Okay, I want you to imagine, many of you go for routine physicals and, and checkups, right? You go to your doctor once a year, you, you've gone for your routine checkup, you've gotten the lab results back, and he's talking to you and he says, hey, I've got great news for you. Chemotherapy will save your life. You're like, excuse me, I think you have the wrong patient. What? What did you just say? Chemotherapy will save my, oh, I, I did leave something out. You have cancer. Well, yeah, that would be important to know, sir. Right? So the gospel means good news, doesn't it? And so that, that, it is. Chemotherapy is a great thing if you have cancer. Right? But just to say, you, you kind of need to understand that you have a terminal illness. You have something that will kill you before chemotherapy is good news. You, are you seeing the connection? Sin is a terminal illness. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. For the consequences, the, the payment of the penalty for sin, all sin. Remember we talked about it earlier. Penalty for all sin. Kids, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments? Yeah, we're going to actually look at them later this year because they're so important. We should all know what they are. The Ten Commandments are God's law. And in them, they say not to do a bunch of things. And then Jesus ups the ante and says, oh, well, it says don't murder. But if you're angry in your heart, you've already committed murder. It says, uh, it says don't, don't commit adultery. But if you've lusted, well, then you've already committed adultery. So those kids, in order to be a Christian, you have to understand that God has rules. He has rules, and you have to obey all those rules perfectly your whole life. But you haven't done that, and I haven't done that. I've broken a lot more than you because I'm a lot older. And that's why we need Jesus. Why Jesus died on the cross, this is the good news part, is that Jesus died on the cross to take the penalty that I deserve. It's a very simple message, but you have to understand that you're a sinner, you've done wrong, this is why you get in trouble with your parents. And so that's why Jesus died. That's the gospel. Do you see how central it is? If you leave off that first part about sin, it doesn't make any sense. Any more than that chemotherapy will save your life. You know what? That woman, she had tried to quench. Remember he said, this water, you'll be thirsty again? She'd been trying to quench her thirst. How? What was she trying to quench her thirst with? Men. At least five, now six. She was trying to find fulfillment in men. And obviously wasn't working. She hadn't found the perfect, one day she's going to find the perfect man that would really make her happy, right? She had, she's now on her six. What do people in Cane Bay do to quench their thirst? There's this great verse in Jeremiah 2.13. It says, for my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me the spring of living water and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So in the Middle East, they dig this big hole and they'd maybe line it with clay. It'd be a cistern. It, the rainwater would fill it, but it was cracked. And so many people in Cain Bay have cracked cisterns. Rather than the spring, which is Jesus. So both Jeremiah and Jesus, remember, say, the living water comes from him. They're thirsty. People do all kinds of things. Their new truck, the new home improvement project, whatever they're doing in their backyard, looks, their, their social media, 
social media profile, right? They have this identity that they think they're going to find life in it, but it just, it leaks. It's a sieve. It just, life falls out of it. Some will abuse alcohol. They'll excessively use alcohol and they're trying to find life in that. But did you ever have enough alcohol to make you happy? They'll do it with pornography, with sex, with all kinds of stuff, right? They're trying to find life in these things and they're just, they're, they're broken. I mean, even good things like a good career, they're trying to find life in it. Kids, all kind of stuff. And it's all broken cisterns because you cannot find real life except in Jesus. Jesus is the only place you'll ever find true life. All those other things, they have their place. But when you try to find life in them, they quickly leak out. Is that true? It is true. What about you? Where are you trying to find fulfillment? I mean, this is even true for Christians. I mean, Christians will have broken cisterns. They got the spring and they're still trying to, like, why in the world would you be going to a broken cistern? We do that. I've done that. If you're here this morning and you're realizing, you know what, I've actually just been playing church. I'm actually finding my life in this other thing or other things. Jesus is not my primary source. Please, please, please give attention to what Jesus said. That in him only you will find a spring of living water that will well up to eternal life. All those other things will not satisfy. Now, it was nice for Jesus. He had this supernatural knowledge. I can't walk up to people and say, hi, my name is Nathan. Wow, five husbands and you're on your six, huh? Right, you're you're glad I (laughs) can't. Jesus could. But isn't it true, after you spend a little bit of time with somebody, it doesn't take too long before they start talking about whatever their cistern is. People talk about what they're finding their life in. And so in time, as you get to know people, you can begin to discover where they're finding their life. And as you ask good questions, that's a great way. Rather than just starting with a gospel presentation, there's a place for that. But for them to realize that they are trying to find life in something that's not working is a great starting point. Didn't, he do, didn't Jesus do that? Why did he make that big shift? She said she wanted it, but she needed to understand her sin. She needed to understand she was trying to find life in these other things. Well, how does she respond? Does she run away hating Jesus? That's what we're all afraid of. Well, you're going to have to come back next week to find out, to read the rest of the story. Spoiler alert, she doesn't. But before we go, let's just review what we learned today. In order to live on mission, we need to be spiritually attentive in everyday circumstances. And just the average things that you go through each day. God has things planned. To take spiritual conversations from the present to the eternal and to talk about sin. As we close, I want to say a few more words about the first one. They're all important. But if you don't start, you're never going to get anywhere. I want you to look at the person beside you. Don't say this out loud, but just in your head think. This is an eternal being who will live forever in heaven or hell. Okay? Think, think that in your head. Look at that person and say, that is an eternal being who will live forever in heaven or hell. Do you realize that all humans are eternal beings? Every one of you in this room will live forever someplace. And so part of my goal, part of our goal as a church is to proclaim the gospel in a million ways in a thousand different ways so that you would know, you would not go from this place having any, any doubt in your mind how a person doesn't go to hell and goes to heaven, right? And so also, there's a lot of people you will interact with that I will never interact with, and they need to know that. And if you try that sometime, when you're at work, don't say it out loud, please. 
in your mind, just think, these are eternal beings who will live forever in heaven or hell. You're, you'd be well on your way to living on mission, just realizing that people are eternal. That mindset really makes a big difference. Jesus knew that when he was sitting there by that well, that this woman was going to live somewhere forever. And he had mercy on her, though there's a hundred reasons why he shouldn't be talking to her. Every situation, you interact with a human. God is calling you to live on mission. Sometimes it's just a smile, and sometimes it's more. And the only way you're going to know is if you start doing something. It it is a risk. It absolutely is a risk. Not every conversation I've ever had ended like the one on, on vacation, right? But the only way you know, and it didn't for Jesus. Remember, he went to the rich young ruler. He went away sad. He did not. That didn't turn out well. But he gave that man a chance he gave that man a chance. Remember that story I told you at the beginning about my wife? Well, as you know, <laughs> I didn't stay with my head in the sand, did I? So after six months, one Sunday afternoon, after church, I was just thinking, I, I lived in Blacksburg, Virginia, and I was outside my apartment, and I was thinking about, you know what? My head's in the sand. Like, I am not really, I'm not thinking about relationships at all. And I've been this way all the way through college. I, I, I probably should stop this. I probably should lift my head up and, and look around. And so you can probably guess who immediately came to mind, that pretty girl named Lori. And so I called her up. We talked for two hours, and as they say, the rest is history. If there are any of you who have your head in the, hand, head in the sand spiritually, I ask you, consider pulling it out. Don't just walk through your life like I was. Just going about your way. God has purposes for you. There are people right under your nose that need Jesus. And he intends that you be a part of it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would open up our eyes like the blind people that you often open their eyes, that, that my friends would see the people around them as eternal beings and they would begin to have compassion and that compassion would turn into conversations and this conversations would be able to make the jump to spiritual things. And one day they'd even be able to talk about sin, that awful thing. And that some of those people would be here with us one day, worshiping you as they were created to do with certainty that they will spend eternity with you one day. Lord, we need your help. We want to be a church that lives on mission, but we need your help. So please help us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.